to the X's and T podcast, everybody. It's your host, Danny. Um, I'm really excited because just like always, and I say this every single time because you guys love, love worldwide. You guys love worldwide. Well, actually you love to hate worldwide. And I think it's interesting that you guys have reached out mostly on other people's stories. And I love hearing that. I'm so excited. And um, so we actually have yet another fantastic person with us today um, who's going to talk about their experience with Worldwide Dream Builders. Quick disclaimer, this is our personal experiences with Worldwide. This is no beef with Amway, the Amway Corporation. They are just a distribution company. All of the names of any of the Worldwide Dream Builder upline that we use, we have changed them. And don't send anybody hate if you know who they are. Um, anything and everything that's not going to get me sued. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce today our guest, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you. If I'm not mistaken, you are like three hours ahead of me, right? Like you're over there on the, on the East coast. Yes, that's correct. So Christina's coming to us from the future, everybody. <laughs> so Christina reached out and actually you had reached out to us on Instagram. And my question is, is, is how did you find the X's and T podcast? And do you happen to remember what episode was the first one you listened to? Yeah, I found your podcast from the uh, Facebook group I'm in about former Amway that was made by the uh, the YouTube couple drawing a blank on their names. Yeah, yeah. Zay and Melody. Zay I and Melody, yes. <laughs> yes. And I remember um, someone made a post about wanting to hear other stories. And then I saw your guys' comments. And that's when I like really dived in and started listening to a few of the stories. Um, I believe the one I listened to was, I think it was either your downline or your cross lines story. Oh, so I think Jessica? that was the first one I listened to. Yeah. Yeah. Jess was my upline. She was she married was to Robert. Yeah. She married my direct sponsor, Robert. And that, that story just hits, doesn't it? It's kind of sad when you listen to it because she comes from that side of it where she felt like she had to get married. She felt forced to get married into this relationship that ended up being so toxic. Um, so I, I definitely have so much respect for her and I'm glad that you listened to her story. Absolutely incredible. So what was it that compelled you to want to come on and tell your story? Well, I think there was just so much I never really had got to let out of my story. Like only my husband, I feel like, is the only one who really knows everything that happened aside from people that were within Worldwide. So I just felt like there was something worth sharing that I, th I think more people need to know about, especially on uh, the East Coast and how there's like variations in how the business is, is built um, compared to like what I've heard from a lot of the, the bigger, bu bigger business of side of things like where you're at and Washington, Portland, like those big uh, hub areas. Yeah, actually, I think you're the first person that I've spoken to who had been in the business on the East Coast. Most of the people are West Coast. As far as my <laughs> my Canadian guests, I don't know which part of Canada oh, they're right, on. Right. I, yeah, I am uneducated. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of the, the stories that you hear are people who are downline from Taylor, the club owner, or the big crown guy. And you were not a part of either of those organizations, which I'm really excited to dive into because you're the first person I've spoken to from your Diamonds line of sponsorship. Um, so that was really new and really good perspective for me. Let's go back to before you heard about the business. Where, what, How old were you? Where were you at in your life? And what kind of goals were you reaching for at that point? So I was uh, 18 when I first heard about the business. I was just starting college. It was like 
October, I met my sponsor previously, like one other time at a party. And I ran into him again in college, like when we first started uh, classes out. And he was really my first exposure of the business. I had heard of different MLMs. So I was kind of familiar with how they worked, but I really didn't have any desire to, to jump into one. But I was never against them either. I was at the point in life where I was just starting college, but I didn't really have a uh, passion I was going towards like career-wise. So I was just kind of like rolling with uh, the flow of things and meeting my sponsor was really kind of what I would say instilled that into me um, or exposed me to it more so. Okay. That makes sense. And that's, I feel like that's where a lot of people who, when they're first introduced to this to the business is a lot of people are young. I mean, there are definitely some older people who get in and and have that exposure. I know one of my downline was, I think in her fifties. So definitely a lot of wide variety, but I feel like, especially when you hear some of the diamonds and the crown talk, it's like there's high schoolers graduating every single day, turning 18, don't know what they're gonna do with their life, go talk to them. And I feel like that's such a vulnerable spot in life to go spear hunt somebody because of course, they're going to be like, especially if they're not hot, like sure, like they don't 100% want to be a doctor. They 100% want to be in some trade. When they're unsure, it sounds very appealing when they come up to you and say, do you keep your options open? And you're like, well, yeah, I'm 18, fresh out of high school, no plan in sight. If you have a plan for me, give it to me, right? With meeting them, your your sponsor, Ivan. So you meet Ivan in college. And what was it that attracted you to Ivan? Like what made you want to pursue even a conversation with him? Well, I was previously in another relationship, like while in high school for a few few years and had gotten out of that, like that summer before starting up college. Or actually, I'm sorry, I want to say it was right after I started college. So I was kind of in the stage where I was getting over that, but also trying to like, I don't know, my emotions were all, all out of whack. Like, right. He just kind of appealed to me as like a new um, guy I kind of had a crush on. Like I had met him previously, like I said, at a party once and that was more so just like casually hanging out. Um, we had mutual friends there. And then we added each other on Facebook. But then when I first saw him in college again, that was like, I felt like that was my shot to really go after him or get to know him. So I uh, kind of basically found him in the cafeteria and I like built up the courage to go up to him and just kind of like have a conversation. And yeah, there wasn't really anything specifically about him that drew me towards him. I guess it was just the fact that it was someone that I had met. So how long would you say that you were friends with Ivan before you had found, before he had maybe dropped the message with you? Like what did that kind of look like? Well, he actually pretty much dropped the message that day. He did the uh, ESBI little quadrant breakdown on the napkin. It wasn't even the napkin plan. It was just like the ESBI that Robert Kiyosaki references in his book, The Business of the 21st Century. And that, it made sense to me, but it didn't really... I didn't, it didn't make sense that he was bringing that up. I don't remember our exact conversation, how it went, but I just remember that he wrote that out for me. It was kind of like asking some probing questions, like trying to get to know me, but he, I could definitely tell he was prospecting me without me realizing it. He would just always talk about millionaires, how parents were millionaires, like just the millionaire mindset. And most of it went over my head at that point. So I don't remember the exact way he, over the next few weeks, that's when he kind of like would subtly hint at things. Like we would be Snapchatting a lot. He would send me quotes, books, 
things like that, videos. And I think it was at that point, probably a few weeks later, he invited me to one of the regional rallies. And that's when he was taking me through the process. And like the way he was doing the process was pretty like laid back, I would say. Like, he, I don't think he wanted me to know he was taking me through the process. He was more so just like recommending me the book to read, have me create my ideal uh, dream lifestyle, then um, going to the regional rally. I think that was like the first time I really saw any um, speakers and saw the plan fully broken down that way. Got it. Okay. I mean, wow. What's the, the courage of that dude, honestly? Like, I don't know that I could ever. I mean, I obviously I learned to, but well, I, and I guess it's it, his parents. It, you, you said that he said that his parents were millionaires. So it's pretty obvious that his parents had been in the business for a long period of time. So for him, it was just like, since the day he was born, he's been dropping the message. Basically. Honestly, yeah. And he would even <laughs> say like, he was only born because of the business. That was like his tagline. He'd love to tell people. That's I'm being, but it's true. I mean, I, again, no shame to, you know, Amway itself, that it can be a very profitable business. My beef again, disclaimer, it's my opinion or any your opinion. It's our opinion that worldwide is the very predatory aspect. And I feel like way back in the day, it wasn't as predatory as it is now. I think it's definitely over time grown to that point, but I, it's really cool to see that people can be profitable and have children. I mean, the amount of stories that you hear, you know, like the football guy and his wife, how they were able to adopt a child, like that's actually a really beneficial thing. Um, So at this time you were 18 years old, correct? Yeah. And this would have been in 2016. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we were in around, I, I got in around the same time as well. Um, And for everybody who doesn't know, I've never actually gone on over this because I totally forgot about its existence, but this is the cash flow quadrant. And this is brought up in Robert Kiyosaki's book. Like you said, the business of the 21st century, I'll actually be posting on our Instagram, a photo of what it looks like. I'll draw it out, but basically it's like the, you've got E, which is, I think, Employee. employee S is small business owner B is big business owner and then I is investor and they draw it out kind of like a what is this like a T like a, basically yeah. <laughs> like a Crosser. T like a chart I drew it out so um I'll definitely be posting what that looks like because that was something that Taylor always did in his board plans was he would draw out the cash flow quadrant that's a lot of information to take in on one day and of course getting to see this rally did you see a diamond speak at this rally no i believe they were um double eagle rubies um oh, okay. and they were they were just getting built back up again i think they were uh, this was in virginia so i think it was like three hours we drove or maybe even four and they were like the best that we could get on the east coast remembering back like bringing people to rallies a lot of the times they are the diamonds the emeralds um but i love that you said that's as good as it was gonna get on the east coast because you're right the business is not huge over there. I really remember people on that side of the country having to fly to us. So I'm originally from Portland. I don't live there anymore. Um, but a lot of the Portland market is huge. The Seattle market is huge. The California market was growing. Um, and I remember a lot of people met the crown in Montana where he's from, but a lot of people just like flocked to the West coast. But what's so interesting is that now, all of a sudden, a lot of the Portland diamonds are moving to Arizona. This is after I moved to Arizona. So I'm like mad because I moved to get away from the business. They're going after you. They are. <laughs> I mean, I welcome somebody to walk up to me in public and try to drop me the message. I'll just, I should have like little cards with my, with my podcast on them. Be like, you know what? Actually, fantastic podcast for you to listen to about worldwide. But okay. So after that first rally, do you remember like what that felt like for you? Like, what was your impression of that? I was honestly in awe. Like, 
I was a sponge basically taking it all in. Like I didn't have any negativity really. I was just so naive. And I think it was really just that I liked Ivan so much. I was willing to like get into this, get involved. And he really made me believe that I could succeed within this business too. And his um, parents who are his upline, his direct sponsors, they were my platinums, uh, Stuart and Jackie. They like had a really strong family dynamic and their business was still pretty small then too. So we had a really close knit connection with like really trying to build up the business and like the car rides were usually like some of the best like connection, like business building parts of the whole experience in my opinion. I don't know if you had the same experience that way, but I feel like the car rides sometimes were better than the functions themselves. They would say that they would say you really get more out of it when you have to drive the miles to a function. Cause in Portland for the first two years, our spring leadership was held in Spokane, which was six hours drive from us. And I do have, well, not my second one. Cause my second one was a shit show, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but the first one was so fun. I was with my, who would become my Eagles. That was, um, what do I call them? <laughs> Jenny and Craig. Shout out Craig, because Craig likes to listen to our podcast. We love it when our old upline follow. I'm here for it, Craig. But back then it was really during that honeymoon phase, right? Where you're having so much fun. You're listening to audios. You're learning about their favorite music. You're really just in those vulnerable moments where you get to ask these questions. And it's even... I mean, honestly, it's pretty cool looking from the perspective of your honeymoon phase that you were so close to your platinums. When I first started, my platinums were not even John and Barbara, who would become the direct sponsors of Jenny and Craig. So they were my Eagles first and they went platinum, but their son and daughter were my platinums, which is so crazy to me. The whole dynamic is interesting, but I think you're right. The car ride really was so much fun for those reasons. So I know who your upline diamond is. I'm ready to kind of <laughs> dive into that. When did you see your upline diamond speak for the first time? And what was that like for you? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it was probably at, um, I remember spring leadership. That was like the first, well, actually dream night was the first um, major function, but that was just the one night uh, dinner. I remember spring leadership, we went to Florida, so he wasn't there. But then right after that, uh, Family reunion was the first time I saw him speak at a uh, function. He had previously come actually down to Delaware to do a board plan or a second look meeting. So I think that was the no first way. time I really saw him speak. And yeah, that was like a huge deal. It was his first time coming to Delaware, flew in. Um, well, I think he, he flew commercially. He didn't have his private jet then. But um, <laughs> yeah, we all picked him up from the airport. It was like a huge ordeal. And he stayed like, he, well, he came to our Platinum's house and did like a whole event there prior and took us all out to dinner. So, I mean, it was a really fun environment and time to be. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of before things went down. Yeah, right. I, I think that was like a, a lively experience. Like, Yeah, so your upline diamonds were Gary and Lizzie. Again, we've changed these names, but Gary is the big crown's brother. We all heard, we've all heard the story, right? The beards down to here, crying on the living room floor. They had found the next greatest thing, the holy grail, right? Yes. Which is <laughs> so. Were your um were your family reunions? Where were, where did you go for family reunion? We went to Portland. Oh wow! So we probably went to the same family reunion, and tw- was it 2016 or was it the following year? That would have been 2017. Yeah. November of 20 or I joined November 2016. So yeah, that was the following. No way. I also got sponsored in November. I was around from May, but I had to keep delaying my launch date because I got sick. I had my appendix taken out. So it just totally threw things off, which I probably should have taken that as like a, 
don't do it. Like they, like the universe inflamed my appendix to stop me. And I didn't listen, which is so crazy. Um, but that when you, when you say that you saw him in a, in a second look meeting, that is huge. That's why when you say it's a big deal, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy because diamonds don't usually do second look meetings. They're usually reserved for those major functions, the rallies. It's like, it's it's so crazy rare to have your diamonds come and do that. I mean, maybe not for Taylor's downline um, because he had lived there at the time. And he, he, I, I think a lot of people grew with him. I mean, the people who stuck around, but to see that is crazy, especially it being Gary. I, I don't know. My mind is blown about that. Um, but with you being able to see a Gary in a closer setting like that, would you say that you had a, I don't want to say closer relationship with him and his wife, but were you in communication with them? Like, were you, did you hate them? Yeah, I was really fortunate. Honestly, I feel like it was a really unusual situation. I was only three legs away from him, like three active legs like from a triple diamond which like is crazy in the world of amway and worldwide um yeah so i would uh, i would be in like a group chat with them i would send kates and we had like zoom meetings before zoom was even popular this was like back in 2017 and 2018 like he had zoom calls every um usually monday night and like wednesday night if you qualify for the wednesday meeting so yeah, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Honestly, like I could go to him if I wanted to send a text and Lizzie was pretty, um, she kind of did her own thing. Like the, the husband is usually like the business builder, but Lizzie was there yeah. to kind of like have like the women's side of things and like the warm hearted kind of things. So she would actually yeah. send like care packages sometimes if I won like contests and Gary would actually do like core. Um, we did the 21 day core run. I know a lot of people do 90 day core run. But yeah, we did 21 day core run. And if you like got a certain ranking in that, like you could get the ribbon gift when those were a thing, or even like Lizzie would just put together like a, a gift box that you get and she would mail it to you. So they were pretty generous with that kind of thing. And they were generous of their time too. all the, all the uh, opportunities they did have to contact. That when you had, had initially said that you had a different experience from us on the West Coast, I just hearing those, all of those things polar opposite to us. Um, that's actually really cool, especially during that honeymoon phase. All of that stuff is super, actually really cool. I'm jealous. I probably would have stuck around longer if my upline was like that. Because I remember when you and I had spoken before that you had said that Gary runs the business a lot differently than his brother, the crown guy. And I remember you saying that he didn't do a lot of board plans. So yeah. you didn't go to very many, did you? Like what did like a typical month look like for board plans? A typical month was probably a nuts and bolts with my Platinums, Stuart and Jackie. And maybe I think SLMs were usually once a quarter, maybe. Is that right? I, I'm drawing a blank on like the timeline. Yeah. But yeah, there would be maybe like a month where there wouldn't be an actual board plan. Um, it was mostly like us just doing our individual show them plans. Wow. Like that's so crazy. And I say that because I, and I know, again, it's popping on the West coast, but we would be told like, if, he, if, if the crown is within six hours, we need to be there. We need to be there. And they would like, tell us like, if you like get into as many, like, I remember there were times where I was at a board plan or something seven days a week, which is absolutely insane to me. But I, I think the fact that Gary was so lackadaisical with it is really, it's kind of surprising. Really, because you see how his brother is and how intense he is. And then to see 
to hear that Gary was more laid back is really, is actually really interesting. Um, so I wanted to go actually go back to these things and, and get a little bit more detail because I've never experienced these before. So you said qualify for a Wednesday meeting. What does that mean? Qualify for this Wednesday meeting? What would you have to do? That would be if you were not necessarily an Eagle, but on the way to Eagle and pretty close, it would usually be like, they really hyped them up. Um, like they would put people in that really didn't need to be there, but it would be more so that would be the thing to like motivate them or like get them to get back on track. But yeah, I think the main thing was meant to be there an Eagle for the real like qualifying factor. And I actually still am on like the uh, distribution list. So I still get the invites to the Wednesday meeting. Sometimes I feel like <laughs> that- popping in, but. I don't want to get caught. Could you imagine? No, of course, but could you imagine? Because I'm, I'm sure the groups are not big enough to where you wouldn't be recognized, right? Like you couldn't slip under the radar. I have brought up Eagle in the past. So as a reminder, that is a worldwide dream builder recognition. It is having six downline who are doing to their 200 to or 300 PV amounts. That is going to be your eagle ship. Um, and yeah, they hype eagles up. I think they would say, if you go eagle, you're less likely to leave the business, which again is so freaking predatory because their eagles are there. They're, they bring in money, but they don't bring in enough, right? You consider how much, how much does an eagle make? Maybe they might make their ditto money back depending on what their PV volume is, but that's it. Like they're basically paying, they say they pay, it pays for the business, but I did like a huge rundown of how much I spend and we, and we can go over that later, but it's really just crazy to me when I broke down everything, like an Eagle ship would have done nothing for me. And that's how it is for a lot of Eagles. And I feel so bad. Okay. So going back to this, there were contests. What was that? That's so cool. I'm like, just genuinely fascinated for that. And were those contests, if you qualified during that core run? Yeah, they would be pretty much the 21 day core run. Uh, usually every month it would be the normal course steps like uh read 15 minutes a day forget all of the different like five things but it's like the daily five like drop the message um or at least like have a certain amount of conversations I probably still have like the templates I still have like all my like papers that I used to have all organized but he would have it all laid out every day you would get a certain amount of points buying your function ticket like day one would be worth more points so All of it was just basically a point system. And if you got a certain amount, it would be maybe like the top 20 people or so would get like a different list of um, prizes. And then there would be like a, um, I don't think it was most improved, but like something along the lines of that, like there would be like three individual other winners. And that's when usually uh, Lizzie would send out the um, like her package kind of thing. So I think I got that maybe like once or twice. And then I would usually get the ribbon gifts. And I still have a lot of the stuff I got. Like they're actually... Some of them were pretty nice. Like I got a bike. I got a few like Michael Kors jewelry things that used to be on there. So, I mean, I was grateful for that, but that doesn't necessarily pay for all of the expenses I put in to get all of that. Of course. Yeah. It doesn't negate any of that, but that is crazy. My, I never did any, like anything like that. They would, I mean, we had incentives. Don't get me wrong. We definitely had like, you know, the, the parties that we could qualify to go to, it would be like a 30 day core run. So for, uh, I don't know that I've brought up the term core run before. So I'm going to run through that real quick. Um, essentially what they called it, they called it a core run core stands for change or remade employed. This, it, it baffles me to this day that this is the expectation that they would expect you to do every single day. And they would use those contests or that incentive to almost like shame you into doing it. Because if you didn't 
win something or you didn't get to go. I don't know if this was it. This was similar for you, but they would heavily brag about it. And they would tell people, tell everyone you came to this incentive, tell everybody you were here because we want them to have FOMO. So they will want it bad enough to come to the next one. Was that a similar experience? Kind of. Yeah. They didn't do too many like event type of uh, things, but they definitely like made it aware who the winners were. And like Gary would and like specifically call on the people in the meetings or um, like brag about them so that everyone else would feel better. At least I remember like when I wasn't bragged on, I kind of felt like the loser. Yeah. That made me want to do better next time. Yeah, absolutely. So core change or remain employed. They would have you do, it was, I think it was seven steps. Um, It was, you have to send up a K every day. Communicate is again, the app that you use to communicate with your upline. You have to read a book on their designated list. And spoiler alert, kind of for an an episode that's coming up, I'm actually going to dive into a book that was on the worldwide list with a special guest of mine who was also part of worldwide. Um, Because one of the books that they had, like you just kind of look back at some of them. And to me, this book was so toxic that I'm excited to go into it, especially considering one of my favorite topics is um, domestic violence, anything that has to do with toxic relationships. But anyways, you'd have to listen to one of their specific audios. Again, you're, you listen to these audios so much that you're almost regurgitating word for word what they say. Um, You have to use your personal Amway products, personal use. You have to drop the message or you have to share what's available or whatever different lines of sponsorship did it different ways. Um, You, again, buy your tickets, like you said, on day one, and then you would have to have your day one ditto, which ditto is the automatic sale, like automatic purchase of your preset products set to that PV amount. And your upline would know if you did not meet your goal. Now, what was your guys's goal for your monthly ditto? That was uh, 100 personal and then like 50 retail. I think couples were 300. I mean, I was only eight when I started. So that even just doing 100 personally... Like living with my family, that was already pretty tough. That's crazy. I'm almost, I remember. So I had a cross, I, I worked at this job where like several cross line worked there. In fact, this one, he was a double eagle. I think him and his wife ended up going platinum, but they worked there or he worked there. And then I had a cross line who worked there. Now this is when I first got around and he told me, he's like, yeah, ours is um 100 uh, personal use, 50 customer volume. I was like, are you serious? Like that is so much less than what I'm spending over here as a single mom. I was pissed. And I remember bringing that up to my upline, Robert. And he was like, and he was dumbfounded. Like he, he was so offended that I would ever ask such a question. And he was like, that's cross-lining and that's not okay. And like lectured the hell out of me. He was an asshole. Sorry. I just have to always reiterate because he watches, he listens sometimes too. But okay. I mean, it sounds that that's positive. We'll, we'll definitely give it that. They definitely, it sounds like had some really good positive reinforcements, which is awesome. But I kind of want to go back into, I know that you were romantically interested in your upline, Ivan. Did you guys ever actually like pursue a relationship? We did. It was a pretty messy relationship, but yeah, that was honestly probably the whole uh, timeline of me being involved in the business was this back and forth relationship that was pretty toxic. I do remember you referring to it as a situationship when I first saw it. It was a, a big situationship. So with his parents and, and, um, being your, being your upline, because upline, right. They're supposed to be where we go to them for counsel. Right. And in theory, as a female, we're supposed to go up to the women, men would go up to the males. Right. So your upline, your direct sponsor is Ivan and his upline are his parents. So in theory, you would skip Ivan and go to his mother. When you were in this relationship, what was it like going to his parents for advice when your relationship is struggling? It was kind of awkward. Honestly, I think it was awkward for them just because it was awkward for us too. Yeah. And 
half the time like we didn't even know what we were so they tried to stay out of it as much as they could they would i don't know the thinking back on it like they were super fake and i don't think they would think that they were but i would see right through them like they would just try to have like the whole act um rather than being like genuine like they just wanted to make sure they were doing their part as uplines rather than someone that I've, I guess I could confide in like as a friend or more of like a mentor or figure that's not necessarily a, a related in business. That's really sad that they tried to stay out of it. And and I understand that it's it's the parents, but a lot, a big part of Worldwide, and I don't know if this was pushed on you as well, so correct me if it's different, but we were taught you don't talk to anybody outside of your upline about your your problems, right? You don't pass that negative to other people because they quote, don't know, or that don't pass it, pass negative cross line or downline. So when you're struggling with your significant other, your upline are not communicating with you. Who are you talking to? Like, who are you able to express your feelings to? I didn't really have anyone, honestly, at that point. Like, I'm not really close with my family, so I didn't talk to them about those problems. And I didn't have like too many friends or even really girlfriends. So I was pretty alone. And that's where I kind of felt stuck just having to put up with all of it. That's so isolating and extremely toxic. And that's such a, that's such a different type of toxic than a lot of the stories I've heard, because you'll hear stories of like Hope and Fisher. They talked a little bit about how the the dynamic of worldwide heavily pushes toxic masculinity and that the man is the dominant figure of the household. And you think about stuff like that. And and you're so isolated because you're this person, right? Especially being female in the business, I feel like is so challenging already. And you can't even go to your upline. And you have, which is so interesting to me too, is that this organization, Worldwide Dream Builders as a whole, they're very religious, which I am kind of shocked that your upline was okay with this situationship. If you don't mind me asking, was he like flirtatious with like other people? He was. And his whole demeanor is pretty like charismatic and flirtatious just as a whole. And probably wouldn't say he was flirting with other girls, but I could see that he was. And half the time, like I would be there and like witness it. So yeah, he, he definitely was, he wasn't like the traditional, like Christian boy that you would think of. He was definitely sinful. I mean, we're all sinners, but sure, he, he wasn't like uh, trying to be perfect. That's, which is so almost narcissistic. I think it's, it's so, it's baffling. So if you know anybody and you have been a part of Worldwide, you would see that a lot of the males try to be poster children, if you will, especially if they're children of Worldwide Dream Builders, they try to be like, the poster child, like, like that couple. And if you know, you know, they went diamond and their parents are diamond. So they were not passed down the business. They went diamond themselves. They have twin daughters. Yeah. You know what I'm talking, talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you know, you know, and I think they built, I think their business is in Vegas. So again, if you know, you know exactly who the hell I'm talking about, but again, poster children, they try to be the perfect Christian. So to hear that he wasn't is kind of interesting. And his parents not correcting that is also so sad for me. So over time, how did your relationship change with your upline? It was pretty wonky. Like the whole time it, it would be, sometimes it would be really good. Like we were feeling each other, but still like not even officially together, but it was more so we just had the idea in the back of our minds and like usually like around the time when the functions would be going like that's when we would be going up as well and then there's like the post-function blues so it, it was really like a roller coaster honestly um I would say that was probably the most like traumatic and like emotionally draining time of my life like those few years that I was involved so it really just depends on the season that we were in how we were doing that's really 
that does make me sad because, and, and I know I went through it too, but hearing your story just genuinely like hurts because it, it, you know, the fact that your relationship relied on where the business was at almost like, like living function to function basically. And that's exactly what they would tell us. They're like, oh, you're living function to function. You have to like make yourself like whole in the, in the between. And that's what core is for whatever. But it's like, you do develop that high from a function. And those functions are kind of what almost are designed to draw you back in. And that's why they have them every quarter. The fact that your relationship was almost like that is so sad. When did you decide I'm done with him as, as, a, as a partner? Probably uh, I got out in 2020. So I think it was probably like the beginning of 2019. That's when I knew we were officially done. Like it wasn't worth it anymore. He was basically in another situation with another girl and I just had enough. Like I wasn't going to compete anymore. So you dealt with us for almost like two and a half years. That's sad because so do you, and and again, if you don't want to answer this question, you can let me know, but if you weren't a part of worldwide, do you think that you would have been in that type of relationship with him, with just anybody, a a type of relationship like that? Like if worldwide wasn't the, the thing keeping you involved, could you see yourself having been in that type of relationship outside of that organization? Definitely not because worldwide and like the brainwashing that they got me into the only like ounce of hope that that I kind of had like going the whole time. I mean, I'm a Christian too. So I always had like the faith mindset or he, he specifically kind of made it seem like we were going to be together no matter what, like this might just be a bad experience we're going through, but like, we'll get through it because we're going to go diamond. Like we're going to like get through this. We're, we're going to have the dream life we want. Like it was always that kind of like mindset. Wow. And that's, I, I can, I can relate in some aspects, but you're totally right. I mean, they will manipulate you into staying in your situationship because it's, I mean, in the long run, it's more profitable for them, right? A couple generates 300 PV if you were, if you're married. So in theory for you and Ivan to have gotten married is like their ultimate goal because you're less likely to leave if you marry into the business, which is again, incredibly incredibly predatory. Actually, side note in relation to that same like concept, I looked up one of my old upline recently, I want to say maybe like two or three months ago. And he was a guy who was like very off and on in the business, very around, wasn't around for like three years. Just I eventually we hardly saw him and it got to a point where we never did. I saw that he recently married into the business to who was an Eagle. Now, I don't know if she's still in the business, but all the same people are all on her friends list. So, which is so crazy because she was a cross line from us somewhere else. I personally feel like this. And I know Zay and Melody have also speculated in their YouTube videos when they were making them that they think that worldwide does like puts people together. Again, that's my conspiracy theory. And I've just seen it and it makes me so sad. And I remember you saying too previously that the business almost made you feel like you wanted kids sooner than you were ready. Yeah, I think so. Because like I said, I don't, I didn't really have like a career goal I was trying to achieve. So being a mom would be like the next best thing or the next like step just in in life to do. So uh, yeah, that definitely was more so the mindset was pushed on just hearing all the diamond speakers and ladies talk about their lives. And they really did. A lot of them would, I think actually almost every single one would say, I built this business to get my wife free for the kids. Like that was the sole, the woman's sole purpose was to bear children and take care of them and stay home with them. And that's just not for some women. I mean, I do it right now purely because I take care of a child who is neurodivergent. It's hard. It's extremely hard. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about the strain. I don't care how much money you have. The strain of sitting at home with your kids, especially when, you know, they're having their hard times. It is, it's almost lonely sometimes. And I really wish they would have pushed that more. But again, they, that was the the gender roles that they heavily pushed. You don't have children now, do you? No, I don't. I'm 
so glad you were able to follow your instincts and make happen for you what you were ready for, for yourself. I mean, I was a mom before the business, but I see how many people get stuck into this role in life that they really didn't want. And not that motherhood is anything. I mean, some people, I guess, don't want motherhood. I know it's just not for everybody and neither is marriage. Marriage isn't for everybody either. And the fact that they push that just, it's so toxic and it sucks. So going back to this, so what was your breakup like? Like I have to, I have to know because your upline is, is his parents and you were, and he's your direct sponsor. You have to be everything with him. What was that like? Well, I mean, there were technically like multiple breakups because there, there would be like months when we like weren't together and kind of like avoided each other. So at those points, it was pretty awkward. Like we would be cordial at the events but would give each other like glaring looks like when no one was watching. Like it was at some point it was immature, but um, we were young. We were in our teens and early 20s. So um, when we were officially done with though, that's when it was really, I was kind of being the mature one, I think. And trying to get through still being active in the business. But this is when I was already like starting to lose hope and interest anyway. So at that point, I'm, I more so did work directly with uh, my Platinums instead. And Ivan was more so just like on the sidelines. Like he didn't like mentor me really. Uh, he just happened to get all of the credit for everything I did. I, and I, I always hated that. I always hated the fact that I was the one building my business and my upline would still get the credit because it's his PV amount too. And of course, everybody knows worldwide, like, or in Amway, you do profit off of your downline. And he would be the one going up, getting recognized, you know, for like the pin levels and the, and the PV amounts, I'd get pissed. I'm like, that's all my PV, yeah. dude. <laughs> like, honestly, but I, so was this around the time of the shoe incident? Yeah. If I, if I'm thinking about my timeline, right. I think, yeah, the shoe incident definitely was like when he was starting the situation with another girl. Cause that's why like I ultimately did this. So, um, we weren't completely done with at this point. I still kind of had the hope and I I thought maybe it would work out still some somehow. So we met at like a McDonald's. We were just doing like a little coaching session or something. And then like towards the end of it, we, we were walking out. It was pretty late and I was just drinking in excess. Um, and that's when he just like told me, I think we were arguing a little bit, but he told me that him and this other girl like did like something. I think they like kissed or something or, or maybe they were just talking. I don't know. But I was really like just mad about that. Like, I mean, I thought we were kind of together or I thought we still had a chance and now you're going pursuing another girl. So. I just basically dumped my excess right on him. I see it in movies and TV shows, just wanted to do it, <laughs> let it out. And then it, it felt good. And I pretty much just got right into my car and left. And on my car ride home, his mom was calling me, like wanting to know the story of what happened. And I mean, it really wasn't even any of her business. Like she was calling me as his mom, not as my platinum. So I didn't really want to be talking to her much, but she pretty much just sided with him saying that I was in the wrong for what I did. How like I ruined oh my leather God. jacket and like his shoes screw his leather jacket and those damn shoes honestly like he's sitting there treating you like shit right he's sitting there telling you who he is like back and forth with and like he he's doing just enough to keep you around but when you're the one who's like really actively trying he says oh well there's this other girl whatever he happened to have done with this other girl I feel like you had every right to throw that damn excess on him you should have thrown a whole case of excess <laughs> on him and for your platinum right this is somebody who's supposed to view you as their downline as somebody to cater that relationship with she completely blurred the lines 
difference between the business. She called you as his mother and decided that she was going to take his side. Excuse me. Yeah. Like he, he had his hand held with like a lot of things in life. So I don't know. That's kind of like cringy. Even just thinking back, like his mom, like he had to have his mom call me. Like that is embarrassing. Like high school. No, you're an adult. And you would imagine that your relationship, if they were trying to stay out of it was to let you guys handle what you were going to handle. And then that was it. And the fact that they just sat, they took sides. That is, that infuriates me so much because I have had an ex outside of the business whose mother called me. And that was such a huge red flag. Like, no, screw you, lady. I'm not going to talk to you. No. So was this kind of the downfall of you wanting to leave worldwide? Like, what was it that kind of, I think you had said that you started leaving because you were losing hope. And what did that that transition look like? I think it was probably like uh, Gary, like he was pretty hands off the whole time. And like uh, Stuart and Jackie, they really follow his teaching. So pretty much everything was me to be building my own business. So I would be doing, trying to take people through the process, sorry. And I just wasn't seeing the results. I mean, I was pretty young. Like people I was trying to prospect were usually the same age, same like a stage of life as me. So most yeah. people my age weren't thinking about starting a business or even thinking about like what's their next five years going to look like. It just wasn't right. working. So I didn't have as good of a success rate. But at the same time, like my Platinums, their businesses weren't even growing. Uh, like their uh, downline, like no one was succeeding. Like they're saying we should. That was part of it, I would say. Um, just the cost of everything. Like I want to say every few months. It seemed like premier membership like went up by like $5, but yes. services weren't getting better with it. And I just already thought the functions alone were expensive and just the flights I would have to book to get there. Like the costs were not, or the profits were not uh, equaling the cost I was putting into it. And I mean, the relationship with Ivan was going downhill and I feel like that was just a combination of all of that was really what made me not want to be a part of it anymore. And I think I like saw Zay and Melody's videos. Like I would sometimes go through like the YouTube rabbit hole of like seeing like the Amway haters and like, or just even reading like forums online about people that got out. So the thought was always in my mind to like just leave and drop off. So I think just, yeah, a combination of all of that really is what ultimately made me like slowly fade out of everything. It wasn't yeah. ever like a, like a full on, like I'm, I quit, I'm done. It was like, I slowly like canceled yeah. premier membership. I stopped going to some of the major functions. So yeah. And then at the end of 2020, I just never renewed. Right. Yeah. I feel like you're right. I feel like it is a gradual kind of a thing. You, you really start to notice things. You start to see more and then you realize, yeah, the, the profits that I'm bringing in do not equal what I'm putting into it. Do you happen to remember roughly about how much you made from Amway from those small kickbacks from the checks? Not much. Like I usually didn't have all my 50 P for, uh, or for uh, retail. Like I really struggled with retail because I hated like selling stuff to people. And most people I knew were pretty cheap and broke. So I didn't even get like my uh, downlines PV most of the time. So mine were probably only for like my personal being like, I don't know, like nine or like $13 sometimes. Wow. For just so, the, uh, like the PV kick. Yeah. So I was looking at the at the Amway compensation plan recently, and it's still just for the bare minimum. I'm not going to go through all of it, but it's 3% of that. I think last amount was like 399 PV or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's 3% of that. And I would spend like $600 on average. And so I found it and it was like, okay, what is 3% of 600? That's $18. <laughs> that is $18 on average. And 
I'm surprised. So did Gary not push you guys buying your retail volume? When you say buying, like kind of like buying it for myself and just claiming it as customers, they, yeah, yeah, they were against that. Like they wanted us to be honest. And Gary was kind of like, he had the inside scoop on a lot of the future of Amway. So he really like, I, I remember it wasn't like originally you didn't have to have like a customer account log the sale. I don't think like you could just go in and do it yourself. Yeah, but I think yeah. now like Amway does make you have an account. I'm pretty sure like the customer has to. So it, it has to be like a genuine customer sale. No way. I, I could be off on that, but I want to say that's that's what they have to do to make it more of a like legitimate business. Yeah. I mean, so, it makes sense, right? It totally does because what was worldwide pushing at least on the West Coast, what I was being taught under Taylor was we bought all 200 PV. We were claiming 50 as a customer, but we were BSing whoever the hell it was. They would say it was your goldfish. It was your grandma. It was, you know, put down anybody. And I, it's not, that's not a legit business. Cause they said you won't be considered a legit business without that 50 PV retail. And they would say that we were to buy 150 for ourselves and then have 50 as that retail but we were to buy it ourselves. They would say, try to get somebody to buy it from you. And then in in Taylor's board plans, he would say, I don't like sales. My mom maybe bought one thing from me, right? And that's crazy. So kind of going in towards the end of your Worldwide Dream Builder days, um, this was around COVID starting, right? And how did Worldwide handle COVID? And what was the transition? And when did that business model kind of change? for COVID. When COVID started, um, pretty much everything became virtual. Like I remember they did the big spring leadership. Um, we just kind of all got together locally to do a meeting for that. And that's when I think, I don't think they charged like a full ticket price for that. I, I can't remember. Were you still around for that? I was not, but I have gotten different um, viewpoints for that. I have heard that they had a virtual like spring leadership, but they still charged full price ticket for a virtual one. So I don't know if maybe it was different for your line of sponsorship. Yeah. I, I think at that point, I remember, I want to say like, we all just streamed it at Stuart and Jackie's house. So I think they actually like kind of allowed us to watch it. Um, so I don't think I even actually bought a ticket because I wasn't going to pay for a virtual event. Like that's not worth $75 or whatever they charge for them. So I yeah. did attend that. But then like the next function, they still had that one virtual, but they were like really honing in on everyone's got to buy a ticket to like cater to the expenses of it. Like, I don't know what expenses they were, but oh, right. their profits really. Um, That's so like that just put a, put a bad taste in my mouth. So, um, or go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. I'm glad you finished that because actually that was my next question was this is where the rumor, I think you're right. I think the first one, they did not charge the second one they did. That might be the correction there, but that is where those rumors started, right? That the diamonds were getting paid because they used to say you're paying for your seat in the arena for the yeah. people who work the arena. Right. But now there's no arena and nobody's paying. Like, what are they doing? Sitting in their homes with a freaking zoom background. Yeah. And you have to pay like for a, t- for a ticket that I think is where a lot of those speculation, it's just speculation that the, that the diamonds are getting paid. And they would always say, these are unpaid speakers. They're speaking from the bottom of their heart. They're volunteering their time away from their children to do this, but they wouldn't have to do that virtually. They could literally sit at their homes with their children and their five nannies in the bedroom, watching their kids. What is there to pay for other than a zoom membership, which what do you need? Maybe like two Zoom memberships for however many people or whatever. Like, uh, that is insane. So now that you're out of Worldwide, do you still have communication with any of your upline or have you just kind of been like, cut them off, you're donezo? I am still friends with Ivan on Facebook. So I see his posts 
study makes one there. I am not friends with uh, Stuart or Jackie. Stuart unfriended me for some reason. Then I unfriended Jackie because he owned me. <laughs> so I just have <laughs> Ivan. Um, and I have like a few cross lines, but I think they're actually all out of the business too. Um, so I don't really directly communicate with anyone, but I do see what Ivan posts. Wow. What is that like seeing his post? Do you ever just like cringe? Yeah, I do. It's, I feel like embarrassed. Like I feel secondhand embarrassment because he's so into excess. And I think that's, that's how he wants it to be. Like he wants to be like the local excess guy for anyone to like come to him to buy his products. But it's just kind of cringy, like with me seeing it. And then I like saw they just were at Spring Leadership, I think last week. And it still kind of seems like the same style. Like John Maxwell was there. Um, yeah. But yeah, still is. Yeah, it's like same stuff, different day at this point. It's like you've been to one spring leadership, you've been to them all basically. Yeah, they're all the same, except for maybe little bits and pieces of their stories are different. But a lot of the things are like worldwide save my life. And if it wasn't for worldwide, I wouldn't have X, Y, and Z. And um, so with, with you being outside of worldwide, have you seen that kind of influx of leaders on social media, specifically TikTok? I have. I saw the one um, whose husband was a football player or basketball player in Canada. Canada. Those who, those who are, those are who I mostly see, but I see like on uh, Instagram, I still follow the one couple in Vegas. And then I know they all have their YouTube channels and websites. Yes. So I know who you're talking about. The Canadians um, are uh, pseudonyms for them are Dawn and Mary, and they are Nolan and Rianne's upline diamonds. They're the diamonds who broke a diamond in Canada. I hate their TikToks. I hate the, I hate Mary's TikTok so much because she just speaks like she's this virtuous person, but there's zero disclaimer about the fact that she's a worldwide dream builder diamond. I feel like somewhere on there, people should know because most people who interact with her probably wouldn't if they knew, mm -hmm. oh, she's a pyramid scheme leader or an alleged pyramid schemer, schemer, I should say, but it sucks. And I think that you had said that um, they're really trying to build that influencer status. That's what it seems like. I think they probably are doing that. My, my conspiracy, I guess, would be that it's because of that. And they want to be able to have prospects look up those diamonds because their their whole approach is like, I have this diamond mentor. And so yeah. if you Google them, like they want to be able to back up their claims about them. But if you yeah. look on like all of their websites, they're like the same generic blog posts. And like, it's probably yep. the people within worldwide, like writing that all out for them. So none of it's actually genuine. It's like a corporate style of doing it. I don't know. I, I guess I see their idea, but I don't know who would actually fall for it if they actually like dug into things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's actually an article that was posted about Mary's post that went viral about strangers. And I commented on there. I was like, how come there's nowhere in this article mentioning that she is a worldwide dream builder diamond? I feel like that's so relevant that, but they, they don't want to do that, right? They just want to be as elusive as possible with the fact that they're in worldwide. And they want you to, if you're in, if you're genuinely serious, they'll probably be like, well, you haven't earned that information. And I think that's how Fisher had said it. He's like, she wouldn't give that to them. She would tell them you have to earn it. She's giving you little bits and pieces on TikTok, but you have to earn that information. And that's so predatory because I wonder how many DMs she's gotten and how many people she can prospect from different different states, different parts of Canada. Like it's so scary to think, but um. so now that you're out of worldwide, what is your life like now? Like how do you, do you just feel so much better and like a late a weight has been lifted? I do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's still a lot of the brainwashing that I don't know if I'm ever going to get out. Like, I think I'm always going to hate working, to be honest. Like, I don't yeah. like my job. Like, 
I do think in the back of my mind, like I'm trading my hours for dollars. Like if I had just done this, I could have made it. But ultimately, I'm happier. I have a husband. I'm married. Um, I don't have to worry about like meeting quotas or doing all of the toxic things that they want. Um, and I've got my own circle of my chosen family. So yeah, I'm I'm much happier without all of that. I'm so happy to hear that you are doing better. And I have to agree with you. I have some of those same toxic brainwashing things that suck. And the one about hating your job, I I feel like I loved work before I started worldwide. Um, You know, you look at those types of things and you're like, dang, I really wish I would never have had that exposure. And then the, the other brainwashing things, like still feeling guilty when I don't do something like, I didn't, do, I wasn't productive today. And what, but what does that even mean? Right. Your, your productive now is different from your productive during worldwide. So I can totally understand where you're coming from with that. The private jet story. Do we get to hear the private jet story now? Oh yeah. Yeah. This definitely yeah. is like a big part of why it, it was like, I don't know, bits and pieces of like different experiences happened that made me really pull the trigger and just like ultimately decide I'm done with it. But yeah, this was definitely like one of the most, or probably the worst experience I would say I had in worldwide like mentally, like this left me in such a bad place afterwards. And I probably overreacted, but it was just a really bad time. So Gary was um, doing some private jet runs. Like he would be coming out usually every few months, do a second look meeting. And then he would go from like state to state to then like legs in Canada too. So he would do like a, probably like a weekend trip like one day in um, Portland, probably then maybe in like, I don't know, I'll just say Tennessee, that's probably way off. And then like Delaware, and then Canada. And he would invite some people from those areas to then hop on the jet and go to the next location that they're going to. And you get to fly on a private jet for free. You'd be responsible for then flying back, like you'd have to book your own ticket home. But still just the experience of having that jet amazing. And it was like, based on getting invited essentially is how you could have qualified. So I don't remember the exact qualifications you had to meet, but I remember I did like earn a seat on the flight. So I um, had booked my return flight home. I think I was supposed to be going to somewhere on the West Coast. I think maybe Washington and Greg, sorry, I keep saying that. That's okay. Gary Gary had come in, uh, did his second look meeting, and then we were all going to fly to Washington. So that that would have been the next day. Um, so I just go home like normal. We were out probably until like one or two, just like staying after the, uh, function, just having like the conversations, huddles and things that most people do. So finally got home and then we were supposed to be at the uh, like small airport that the jet flies out of at, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine. Wasn't super early, but I ultimately overslept. I set an alarm, but I guess I just slept right through it or accidentally snooze. And I think I woke up to the phone call from Ivan. He was like, hey, where are you? Like 15 minutes before they're supposed to be taking off. And I like was freaking out. I told him I'll be right there. Like I just was going to basically get up and go like didn't care how I looked or anything. He was like, I'll see what I can do. I'll see if they'll be willing to wait. And there was only maybe like 10 people going on the jet. And this was the private jet, not like it has a uh, actual boarding time that has to leave at. Like I was getting ready like. We ended the call and then probably a few minutes later, Stuart calls me and is like, sorry, we can't wait. There'll be another time. And then like hangs up, like doesn't even let me talk. It was basically just like, you're not coming by. And I don't know, I was just so devastated that at that point, like I was so hyped. I was telling all my prospects like, oh yeah, I'm going to be going on a private jet this next day. All the people that had gone, gone to that meeting with me, 
Um, and just the fact that they weren't willing to wait like a few more minutes for me, but then also no one like tried calling me or contacting me like an hour prior, like that really just showed how little they cared about me. Like they knew I was supposed to be coming, but didn't think to check on in on me, like wonder where I was at. So at that point I like basically told Ivan, like while he was like flying, like on the jet that I like felt suicidal at that point. Like that sounds so dramatic, but I was just like, at a point where I did not want to live anymore. Like I was like so humiliated that I even overslept and like missed that. Like it probably, it sounds crazy talking about it. Like, I don't know why I was so upset by that, but yeah, that just put me in a really bad place mentally. And yeah, that was probably one of the biggest uh, factors into it. Okay. First and foremost, that's not, that's not crazy because anybody who's been a part of the organization knows how heavily they push this shit on you, how you should want nothing more than to be on that jet. And, be, they, and they would treat you as a failure because you didn't go, which is not your fault. How many times have you like overslept? Like, honestly, not very many. This one time you did. And you're right. The, like, they get to their destination so much earlier than the board plan that they're doing is supposed to be at. They could have waited an additional 10 minutes for you very easily, but they didn't. And it's frustrating. So no, I don't think your emotions are overdramatic. I think that they're totally valid because I can definitely think of times where I'm like, I can actually think of a time where I I felt very similar. I mean, it definitely was not, I didn't get the, the opportunity to go on a private jet by any means. But do you remember heart to heart? Do you remember how the crown's wife created that heart to heart ordeal. Did they have that on your side of the country? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. So the crown's wife had created this, what she called heart to heart. It's where her and some diamond and emerald ladies were hosting like women only events. And the qualification for everybody married or single was 300 PB. I was a single mom at the time. I was already struggling to do my 200 and because that's a thousand dollars to do 300. At least it was back then. I'm sure it's more now, but a thousand dollars. I was already paying like $700 in rent. I was paying $700 for childcare plus the additional childcare outside of the childcare I needed for my regular job. And I was paying for my ditto. I just felt it was so unfair that they did that to singles. And I remember they were passing Kate's down. They're like, oh, well, X person is, is working their full-time job, but they're doing apps on the side and they're making it happen. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm a mom. I can't be out till one in the morning every single night because my son has to go to bed. Like, what do you want me to do? And I was not mad at my upline, but my upline had just married my, uh, so Jess had just married Robert. And so she qualified to go and I was not mad at her by any means, but I was so jealous of everybody who got to go. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? This is stupid. It's, it's like, not. you, you have to be in the situation to know, like, like what we, what we mean by this. Like these events are like, yeah. if you make it like you're a million bucks, but if you don't like you're a complete failure is how it feels. Yep. Absolutely. And that's how they treat you too. So I don't think that you're a bad person for that at all. Or, if, or, you know, however negative you feel about yourself, I don't see that at all. I definitely see the validity in your feelings. Um, so now, now we're kind of towards the end here. Um, what are, what are some last thoughts that you have? Some, something that you want people to know anything at all. This is your opportunity. <laughs> I, I want people to know that they have every right to feel the way they felt and the good parts were probably good. Like there were some really good experiences I did have, yeah. and those are totally fine to like look back on and feel happy about, but the negativity definitely outweighs it. And even like the toxic positivity, positivity. I remember you like made a post about that, I think, and did an interview about yeah. that. I haven't listened to that one yet, but that was like, the best way to put what this whole experience was like it was total like toxic positivity yeah 
No, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. It just, I think that every time somebody shares their story, they're shedding a whole new light on something that is a different experience from someone else. And everybody has a very similar, but very unique experience with worldwide. So I know our listeners are going to be really grateful for it. Okay, so follow the X's and T podcast on Instagram at X's and T underscore podcast. Stay tuned for new content twice every week, Tuesdays and Fridays. So we're posting Tuesdays and Fridays. Thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you again, Christina. You are amazing. And I hope everybody has a great night. Bye. Thank you.